And because I was a woman, it was just like any man on set, even if I had more experience, would get the say. And I would just get railroaded. What's shaking? Welcome back to All In. I'm your host, Rick Jordan. And hey, today, if you get some good content out of this show, which I'm sure that you will, because we always have amazing guests, share this with somebody that you know. And today, my guest I'm really, really excited about because we've been going back and forth a little bit, a lot of it before the show, uh, around filmmaking and production. They even watched my documentary just last night, which I'm excited about. And we're going to talk a lot about all the po the possibilities of filmmaking, how you get into the industry and that journey. I mean, that's what I'm excited about today. But Shelby Sloan and Mark Smeltzer, what's up? Hey, we're just excited to be here and just chat out more, really just like open forum about the ins and outs of filmmaking and what the struggles have been going through, what we've all been going through the last year. I love that. because uh, Mark, how are you today, sir, too? <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm doing, I'm breathing. Yeah, yeah. that's good, man. <laughs> I could tell that Shelby just like jumps in and is like, hey, this is why we're here. And Mark, you're like, you're like hi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's phenomenal. I love these shows because I've had a lot of uh, artists, these types of shows. I've had a lot of music artists on and oh. just hearing their stories, you know, the struggles of trying to make it. You know, same, same with filmmaking is kind of the thing. And I learned a lot about that last year and the year before, as far as how difficult it can be to break into things, especially right. when you have a piece that kind of gets a lot of nerves going like mine. I know you watched the documentary. We want to talk about your film today too, but uh, yeah, th thank you. Thank you, my man. That was, uh, but getting into it, a lot of people will, you know, something like that to where it really drives a lot of emotion you start to see some studios that kind of shrug some things off because it's not really the fit for them, you know, but I, uh, I'm looking at, you know, the, the bios and everything, but you guys have worked on major sets, you know, like Gotham, which by the way is a sick show. I haven't watched that in a long time. What'd you do on the set there? So I was actually a day player PA. It was my first actually scripted show in the industry ever. And they just called me when they needed extra people. But I do have to say the person that made the biggest impression on me was Robin Lord Taylor. Mm -hmm. who plays the Insane. That dude could be having the nicest conversation with you. And then they would call him to set. He would turn around and be in character. It was the most nuts thing I've ever watched. He's so talented. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I mean, I didn't see the other side of him, of course, but that's what you tend to think. You know, it's, it's like it, he probably wasn't so much into method acting, right? Like everyone else, because if he can have a nice conversation with you, who wasn't really a method actor. Yeah. I mean, I had a couple with him here and there, so I can't say for sure, because I'm sure there have been days where he probably just stayed in it. But just seeing that, I was like, I got totally blown away. And then there are others on set that are like in their bubble. You can't talk to them before they go on. It's just really interesting because I started in the industry as an actor. So actually seeing actors on that level when I'm still starting out and trying to figure it all out, watching that was a huge blessing. Huge blessing. Yeah, that's awesome. So also besides that, Top Gun 2, Westworld, you know, and, and much more. Yeah, that was, 
That was fun, man. It's funny. I actually, um, okay. So when I met, <laughs> when I met Tom, he's so charismatic. Like he's just, he's, he's on it. He's in it. He's so, I mean, he's just focused. He's got a huge man crush on him. I got a huge man crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, I have a piece that I'm, that I'm working on. I even emailed their team. Like I met Chris McQuarrie who did like usual suspects and all the yeah. mission, mission impossibles. Super cool dude. I was asking him about like, Hey, would you ever like shoot something on iPhone, like full feature type stuff? And I actually reached out to their team because they're working with SpaceX about a project. And I'm like, I've got oh, cool. three projects that I want to talk to you guys. But it's funny. I actually reached out to Naveen trying to be like, I have space ideas I want to talk to you about. So, but no one's listening, but hopefully this podcast to help. And I'm sure that because you're only up and coming that it might. Well, thanks, All my right. man. Being a, if you start commenting about Bitcoin, people might listen. I mean, I'm just connecting Elon to that space and everything, which I had an interesting conversation about him. And I, I might derail our conversation for a minute the other day. But that dude. Millionaires all day, man. Sweet. <laughs> that dude, I was, because my field, you know, the, what I've grown up in, so to speak, is cybersecurity. And Elon was targeted by, have you heard of the hacker group Anonymous? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, uh, when I said, hey, you, all you have to do is tweet about Bitcoin, and then maybe you know you, you might rise to the top in your space, <laughs> in your space ideas, whatever it is. But now he's being targeted by these guys saying that he's taking advantage of the working man because when he tweets, it's like the market rises and falls. You know, and think about the last person who had kind of that sort of social power, right? Our former presidents. You know, yeah. it's it's an interesting <laughs> connection between the two. So somebody was asking me about him last week. I'm like, you know what? I may have some concerns <laughs> about the dude himself, you know, cause Naveen, Naveen is awesome. Naveen stays behind the scenes mm -hmm. and really like drives the world. I've met his son too. And his son is really heavy into HUD, the department of housing and urban development. He was really in alignment with Dr. Ben Carson throughout the, the last administration. I don't know if you got into those talks with them or not, but they're really into yeah. making the world better, which is yeah. pretty awesome. And it sounds like that's the direction you're coming from, yeah? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, mean, I like, ah, I started an entire company out of agitation with <laughs> where the world is actually working. So I was like, nope, we're doing it my way now. So yeah, I'm 100% on board with making the world a better place. Yeah. That's awesome. So you were talking about, let's shift back, a full feature film filmed with just iPhones? Well, I mean, Chris and I had just struck up a conversation on set of Top Gun 2. By the way, go watch it coming out next month, which I mean, I'm surprised I waited. I'm waiting so long just, just to see if I'm in. You know. yeah. uh, no, but I, I had started talking to him about, you know, would you ever do something like that? But of course, you know, he's working, so we didn't get to talk that much. And I just played as, a, as an extra, literally just as an extra that day. But I have nuts, you know, so I just talk to people and say, I don't give a shit. I don't care. I'm just kind of like, you know what? Let's just... uh Let's, let's just chat with these people. So, yeah, yeah I, that's, I, that's good. That's how you gotta be. I've ended up backstage. Yeah. I mean, in the days when I was kind of rising up, but I've been backstage with so many people just because I literally just walked backstage yeah. <laughs> just like that. You know, isn't that a good lesson to learn? If you want to be somewhere, if you want to be in the room, walk into the freaking room. Yeah. Well, but sometimes if, of course, if, you know, it's also reading the room, which I do mm -hmm. have, I do have trouble with. <laughs> So. Only <laughs> we, we share that mark that's all good we should probably get back to shelby though what do you think mark no i just like <laughs> that thing i always admired about mark is i i've been in this industry since i was six months old basically i started as like a print ad baby and so i went through everything of like 
etiquette on set and mentorships and this is what you do and this is what you don't do and you never put extra work on your resume and you never talk to this person unless they talk to you first and he's gotten so much further in a shorter amount of time because he didn't hear all those stupid rules because that's it's just gatekeeping that's and all it is i'm like there are no gates and so i'm like what if Classes, what I could have just walked up to these people, the amount of people that I've met and didn't talk to because of some little birdie when I was nine years old being like, don't do this. You got to tell them so the story from, this, from the from the Oscars this year. What story? What? The amount of times I've embarrassed myself in front of celebrities is <laughs> <laughs> we need to get into the the complexities of the two of, of your relationship too at some point because this is great You've seeing the exchange. Before. We've been together since what? Uh, April, May? April. Oh yeah, April April of 2020. So yeah. yeah. We started Zoom dating for two months because we'd been friends for a while before that. And then when I got back to LA and he got back to LA, when we were like, oh, it might be reopening. We wrote this movie together and then nothing reopened. And we've just been kind of smooshed together for a year now. Yeah. Um, in a new relationship, which has been really interesting. <laughs> it has been it's been the best, best relationship of mine. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really fun. So you were paused, obviously, with the pandemic last year. No, I didn't take it as seriously as other people because I don't watch the news. Yeah, yeah. So, and also because there was a point, what, 0.03% or 0.02%. So I was like, Who knows where they're you at? guys are literally freaking out about nothing. nothing. Yeah. Yeah, you're hitting the hardcore data. To save the many. Yeah. Don't destroy an entire country, an entire world for a couple thousand people. Isn't it interesting coming out of, on the heels of that now on how so many were, you know, because it, well, you saw the film, right? And this is a little bit of a sidebar, but you saw the film and we, we almost demonized in essence, three specific governors. There was more than that. And then there's the three, but you know, New York, Illinois, and California, you, you had Cuomo, Pritzker, and Newsom respectively. And we took them and said, hey, th these are especially the individuals. And then, of course, there was Brown from Oregon as well, who decided that they just had all this power. You know, but then it was interesting because here we are a year later, a little over a year later, and then you start to hear, oh, wait, we need to open back up as fast as possible now. Like, where did that shift come from? You know, because like, like you're saying, it's like the, there could have been a better response. Yes. But where did that shift come from? And how did that affect the filmmaking industry, too, during those time periods? So I was <laughs> entirely a freelancer and I was actually visiting my family in Texas when Trump started travel bans. And I was like, yeah, whatever. This is so stupid. Like, I just thought he was overreacting. <laughs> and then I get like calls from work, like, hey, like I was working the Kids Choice Awards and stuff. And they were like, hey, we're not doing it anymore. And all of a sudden I was working only live events at the time. So all of a sudden, every single job got shut down. And I wow. hadn't lived in California for 18 months. So you're not qualified for unemployment. So for like four months, I was just coasting on my own savings being like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. My entire life is being around hundreds of people at all times. You know, I work on film sets and live events. I was in the Groundlings, which obviously shut down. And I was at such a high level in my training that they didn't even reopen that level of training until like January of this year. Mm. So it was like, I remember just crying so much being like, my life is over. Yeah, like I, I remember worked that too. for so long for this. And I was so close, like, 
I had finally gotten to go to the Oscars for the first time. Yeah. On, I was booked for a pilot as an actor. Like everything was about to hit. And then it was just like, goodbye. <laughs> so when he came to me with this movie, I was like, yeah, I'm doing that now. Screw all <laughs> and you're and like, this is not going to control me anymore. And, you know, I was in Texas and I got asked to do a couple documentaries, which really like saved my bacon financially. Yeah. And then I was like, but I miss LA so much. Like it's become my home. I went back and it was just this wasteland of terrified people who didn't want to hang out with you. My roommate actually ended up trying to lock me in my room when I needed to go to the hospital. Danger people. Yeah. You, you guys had a very similar thing. You almost died like about six years ago. (laughs) And she died this year. I almost died because of the pandemic without having COVID because my roommate wouldn't let me go to the hospital and locked me in my room. And I didn't have COVID. I had a double kidney infection. So that's a whole saga. So I was like, you people are nuts. So we took a break from California. So that's why we're not in California. Cause I was like, you people are insane. Tip of wow. the iceberg. Yeah. Tip of the iceberg. <laughs> yeah, no so, kidding. I still keep in touch with the same people. There's definitely a lot of incredible people in California. Sure. But when this whole thing happened, I was definitely around some of the ones that were completely off their rocker. Well, I'm and- so <laughs> grateful it happened though. Cause I'm like, we need to get rid of this person. Yeah. And this person. <laughs> he got the big ax going. I love it. What's I was like, I rely on the news and the government a little too much, honey. Like, yeah. let's not. Think for yourself. Yeah. Think for yourself. <laughs> where are you at yeah. now? If you're not in California, where are you at now? We're yeah, in Washington we're State. We're in Washington. Yeah. Fun. That's so just a little little ways north. Yeah. yeah. Not too far. We uh, <laughs> just, I just don't understand. But it. just far enough away from Seattle. Just far away. What is it? <laughs> I was up there just a little bit after the pandemic started because, uh, you know, when yeah. all the riots happened and everything. And I've yeah, got some good memories at the Starbucks Reserve. That's a, that's in Seattle too. And walking, I mean, just amazing place because it was this 30,000 square foot Starbucks and I walked by it. I, I intentionally drove that way while we were filming the documentary, you know, yeah. just, just to drive by after we, cause that's where we started was up in the, where we started the film. As you saw, it was the, by the hospital that had the first COVID death in the film. And I drove by that Starbucks and it was just, all the windows were smashed in, you know, cause it's where they roasted the beans on site, you know, just graffiti all over the place. And it really was just a sad state, you know, in, in where the country went. And I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping things like what you're producing, because I, I love movies. It's the, it's one of the reasons why I, I made one. It's also what I do to shut off my brain. Mm-hmm. It is the only thing that actually does that for me. Otherwise it keeps going and going and developing new ideas. And I love we, going we, to, we get to work with, we've got to work with Rick. Yeah. We're Based trying to, with our movies, we're trying to make people's brains shut off just enough that the message actually gets into your subconscious and makes you think about your life. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. It's yeah. easier. It's easier. What does somebody say? It's easier to get somebody to laugh than to make them think. Mm. So, wow. Wow. I love that. I, uh, I appreciate what you guys are doing. And now that I'm seeing films start to hit the theaters again here, I mean, every, almost every weekend I'm looking, I'm scrolling through to see, okay, what's new that's out this weekend? What's new that's out this weekend? And yeah. why is it the freaking horror genre that just keeps popping up all these new films all over the place? Do they have like a backlog or something like that? Well, They were in such a heavy niche. 
I remember my when I first moved to LA, all I could get was horror auditions. And I was in tons of like horror shows and stuff. They were in such a heavy niche right before the pandemic. I think everything just got held. And now it's like, we need to get this out because these things were slated to come out right when everything hit. And they were like, we're not going to pull a Wonder Woman and lose a ton of money, guys. <laughs> we're just <laughs> back. I think that's really, I think that you're right. I think it's just like this backlog. Yeah, it's like everything that I see, right? And as I look at this, it's kind of cool because there's some females in leading roles on these too. You know, like A Quiet Place too. that's out right now. I know, oh, Shelby, good. you talk a lot about the the real truth in Hollywood and when it comes to women in film. What, what's that all about? Um, I think <laughs> Mark's laughing. Oh, <laughs> uh, this, this might sound bad, but I think that the Me Too movement has gotten a little too quiet. I definitely have experienced it. I actually, I'm not going to say, I, okay, I love everybody who worked on this show, so I'm not going to like drag them through the mud, but there was a particular person who definitely did like sexually assault me on a set. Uh. And they asked me back for another season with like a pay raise and a better job and everything. And <laughs> he got asked back in the same position, which made me laugh. And I was like, ha, I knew you weren't good at your job. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> it's a pain point. Um, but I asked them, I said, are you going to fire him? And I told them what happened. And basically the person that I talked to was like, well, we can't, we've already hired him back. And I was like, then you're not getting me. Yeah. No <laughs> so, kidding. But have they chose not to. Yeah. And I walked away from the company entirely. Um, yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to work with you guys. If you're going to condone that. So I think for me, especially like the amount of times that it's been like, Oh, if you do this, you'll get a better part or like, okay. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Like Mark I mean, approaches I was, me. I mean, that's going to happen, you know, but <laughs> the man. Uh, -huh. uh, yeah, no, I was literally cornered in an elevator shoved against the wall and the guy like, oh, started, like stuff in it. So it was like, if this is going to be something you're going to condone, I'm not going to be around this and I'm going to be loud about it. Uh, I ended up working another film a couple of months after that, where it didn't happen to me but I was hearing accounts of it happening to the actors and our wardrobe supervisor. And I was, I was actually the first AD and two weeks before we were finished filming, I was like, I'm done. I am not having this on my reputation. If this film goes down for this, I'm not getting anywhere near it. So I gave up the credit entirely. I was like, I will sue you if you credit me on this. If you tell anybody I was ever a part of this, like, I don't agree with anything you're doing. Goodbye. Like I will stand so I'm going to get really passionate. Yeah, keep going. Good. Yeah. yeah, please. I'll stand so firm on it. It's completely ridiculous. And the thing is, when you get to really high level stuff like Gotham or Motherless Brooklyn that I've worked, it never happens. Like, as far as I have seen, at least, like in the high level, people are too scared now. But it didn't get to those lower levels. Every single instance that I've had of any of this is coming from somebody who moved from out of country or worked in a completely different field. And this is their very first film they're trying to work on, or this is their entry into the business wow. and nothing about it. And they're just thinking they can take advantage of young women because now they're big, film, men. now they're big film or, directors, or people, just people in general. Yeah. And, and so they're thinking they can just screw people over because like, Oh, now I'm a big deal. And it's like, you know, the guy on the movie that I walked away from that I was ADing, of course, he was like almost 30 years my senior, but yeah. this guy, six month film course. And I'd been in the industry for over 10 years and I'd been working behind the scenes, learning about these films professionally on really high level stuff for about five years at this point. 
And he wasn't listening to anything I said. And he would just railroad all my decisions. He was trying to film with guns, without permits, in public spaces in Brooklyn, New York. Like, <laughs> somebody shot, dude. You're stupid. And, stupid. And because I was a woman, it was just like any man on set, even if I had more experience, would get the say. And I would just get railroaded. And I was just like, I'm not going to jail for you. I'm not doing it. Sorry. Like, you can learn or you can't. And you can just like... Well, come from your insurance background and think you know everything about Hollywood in six months. Like Speaking of the whole like learning thing, going back to the Liberty lockdown too, you know, your people are saying, we were talking about this last night about how the U.S. is kind of going communism and socialism. Mm-hmm. They're, I, I think it has to happen in order for it to people to understand that that's not the right thing to happen. Yeah. So just let it happen. We'll go. You guys have fun. <laughs> Fight it out. Duke it out. You know, it's kill yourselves, like, kill each other, go have fun. And then uh, we will come back when everything, the dust is settled and we'll start restart, you know, capitalism uh, in a republic, not a democracy. It's almost like what you were talking about with Brad Lee of like a civil war. Yeah. 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 You're talking, yeah. it's almost like a, I, I don't know if this is a thing, but I'll call it this almost like the atomic bomb theory. If you yeah. want to put it that way, because we dropped two with world war two. And as soon as we dropped, it was like, Oh, those were really bad. (laughs) I mean, it, it ended the war, but after that, of course there was a nuclear arms race, but then everybody was like, let's try not to do that again ever because Mm -hmm. that was a bad idea. You know, it accomplished the result, but you know, is that kind of how you're thinking Mark is like, you feel that it has to happen in order to be like, Oh, this is really bad. Well, so like with what Shelby was talking about, not to, to, to get off the rails on that one. But in bringing it back, it's like it has to happen to some people, you know, and, and uh, what you, the, what people won't just, get loud against it. Yeah. 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 Matter of things. And again, it's there's no one to blame. Mm-hmm. The, the thing about blame is people realize don't realize that, you know, wise people know that there's nobody to blame and that things just happen. Yeah. Whether planned or chaotic, it's it just is. And, now, who, and now it's your responsibility to either, you know, to accept and, and move on or change the way that it's going. And then, I don't know, I'm a big Entropy fan. I love George Carlin. I love, you know, how he talks about things like this. And For and, sure. And, you know, even just, you know, religion in general. I know that you were a pastor. I know that you, I know that, I don't know your person. Here's the thing. I studied you for like a sweet couple of hours and just researched your page and researched yes. what you've been up to and just watched a whole bunch of your stuff. Thank you. Did that tell me anything about you? It didn't tell me anything about you. That's I want interesting. To you later anyway we'll, we'll talk about that later. he's all about the really deep but i, I love, am dude for sure good I don't know what it was but there was somebody at the end of liberty lockdown who said that it's like communism is coming as like this it's it's this evil shrouded to look like good and it's like yeah. that's what's like made me yeah. so moved this whole thing is everything that these politicians are saying and everything that my friends are <laughs> fighting for it's like Duh, I don't want anything to be racist. <laughs> Duh, I don't want people to die. Duh. <laughs> but I don't want to be a communist. <laughs> like, you know, so it's like, it is interdependency. That. Interdependency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that guy had it so right. Like, it's shrouded in this good, and people just don't know what they're getting into. And it makes me sad. It's interesting seeing where the country's going with. with- where we're at right now too. And I, I saw a tweet by our current president the other day. It's like uh, 100 days in and America's getting back on track. I was like, 
Okay. <laughs> Who? Who? Never heard, of him. heard about the things he signed into the law that were like already laws. Yeah. I got a great, got a great idea. We're going to put double. <laughs> Who are you? Oh, whatever <laughs> it is, double. <laughs> I saw this. It was a. Uh, it was on Facebook, I think, and it was. Uh, I, I I took a screenshot of it, but all the laugh emojis were just hilarious because it was, you know, two million of these were. Uh, there was two million reactions, and one point three million were the the laughing emojis on this thing. I've got. I found it on here. The screenshot, you know, oh, and then man. another one hundred thousand was just, you know, like the angry face and another 200,000 was like, what? <laughs> you know, it's, where is this coming from? You know, cause yeah. what, what, what constitutes back on track? Where are we going with this? You know, and even with the film industry, I mean, what constant, I think that's like a great mirror almost because yeah. you, you see everybody wearing masks on set still. Right. And I, I was following, I followed Dwayne the rock Johnson as does, you know, like 200 million people. And He's awesome. He, he is awesome. Yeah. And I saw him still filming some things. It was like October, November last year, you know, and everybody on set was wearing the N95 masks, you know, and still trying to move forward. That's great that they were doing that, but that's because, Hey, we're staying safe. But it's also that the state said that you have to do this. Otherwise you can't film. These are the new mm -hmm. protocols you have to follow, you know, but those extra precautions and everything, cause you're in a different state now, you know, it's, it's still leaning that way, you know, to, towards the West coast, of course, but how does this affect filmmaking going forward? Are we going to see this kind of mirror the country? Do you think as far as where we're going, does the filmmaking industry have to crash and burn? Just like you're saying, we have to lean over into communism and it has to happen before we realize what the hell. No, I think the film industry <laughs> is going to end yeah. up driving through this so much because what are people going to do? They're sitting on unemployment checks, doing nothing at home, just being terrified to live their lives. Yeah. And it's almost like music in the 60s and 70s. It's going to be the only thing that gets you through. So mm. the film industry, this actually is going to, I mean, this is just my projection that is actually going to be really good for it. Yeah. I mean, there's like a starvation for content right now. No, no, no. And not, not, there's a lot of crap content out there. Yeah. But there is also a lot of streamers and networks being like, we need content so bad. And they can't wait to get back to filming because people, it's a huge demand. People yeah. are at home. So I think it's just going to make it amazing. And there have actually been a few things I'm very grateful for. Like no more buffet style eating where people are spitting. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm very excited about that. Better crafty. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do I like a gun-shaped thermometer pointed at my head? No. Yeah, hang on. We'll Hold get, still. <laughs> we'll get over it. We'll get through that, I think. Um, and I think eventually the film industry is going to start being like, this is dumb. Because <laughs> I know that there are like a couple studios that are like, you can come to work if you're vaccinated. And they're like dropping mask mandates over that. So it's like, I think that they're moving toward the, what is this? Yeah. Kind of, of like, we're out of this now, right? Um, and I think it's just because they're losing so much money and they know there's a demand for it. And if they don't go back, then they're just being stupid. So, yeah, because remember in Hollywood, it's not about the art because it's show business. Uh huh. Exactly. Money it's makes the, the case for so many different decisions that happen in our lives and in our co country and our, in our industries. Yes. Yeah. Imagine if we just got money, if we just got rid of money. I mean, we're printing it. So obviously it's coming, you know, doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. You could literally just go, someone could cyber hack the, uh, everything, just change a number in a computer. And it's, and now we have 
thirty trillion or zero dollars of debt. It, it's, yeah. it's that simple. Yeah. You know, it's an old archaic system. You got like credit cards that have the numbers. <laughs> Don't get me started. All right. <laughs> I'm just I'm new ways to create, like, it's not backed on anything. Bitcoin's not, has no, there's nothing, there's nothing that backs it. So there's yeah. no asset. There's no, there's, it's nothing. Somebody takes out an EMP and destroys all the networks. You're screwed. You have no cash. Somebody takes a number, cyber hacks them. You got that. It's gone. No more cash. Like, yeah. Well, that's one, that's one Buffett's argument, isn't it? With, with Bitcoin. Yeah. It's like, it's not tangible. I can't touch it. I can't go right. into a place and see what I've invested in. You know, if we're going to go in all of it's fool's gold, everything, yeah. even money, everything, everything is fool's gold. That's why, you know, was it Bill Gates? He always, he's collecting land. He's collecting like yeah, tangible, you have, to. you have to collect tangible things. But at the same time, it's like, even with religion and stuff, like at the end of the day, what's the point? And that's where I'm at. I'm having an existential well, crisis, Rick. That's what's going right on. Right now, on All In, yes. <laughs> Let's examine yeah. that, shall we? Can you go? <laughs> can you lay on my couch for a moment and we'll examine this? Yeah, it all started in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> That's phenomenal. I have so much fun with you guys. Yeah. We're going to keep rolling with this. So yeah. I'm interested in, in six months down the road, mm-hmm. you know, because you're talking about. Me too. You're talking about the film industry coming back. And, you know, there's a couple of things that really caught my attention as you were going through this. The Me Too, you said that most of them were 30 years to your senior, right? So if we're talking, they might be out of the film industry soon. You know, where does the Me Too movement go at that point? Does it just a new generation picks that up? Well, I think the biggest thing is that it really hit A-listers. You know, we've got Harvey Weinstein totally out of the business now. But the real fear now is at the beginning of the industry. Like those people just starting out working with other people who are just starting out because you do get a lot of that. You get a lot of guys who have worked their entire lives in other fields, have no idea what Hollywood is about, but now they've got a ton of money and making movies is a rich man's game a lot of the time. So they're going in and being like, Oh, I can take advantage wherever I want because nobody's going to find out about me. Nobody's looking at me. They're looking at all these big corporations, you know, like actors and producers are going to meet with their cast with like other women present just to make sure nothing's going on. But that's not happening to me because I don't have the radar on me. So that's the thing that we I feel we have to get loud about next is just that getting into Hollywood thing. And sometimes unions can be overbearing But I think if unions got maybe just like a tiny bit easier to get into, we could actually regulate what's really going on on these more independent sets and people wouldn't run into these problems because anytime this has happened, it's something that wasn't regulated by a union. And when you get on a union set, it's just like, I always feel safe. Like, I always feel like nothing's going to happen to me. And this has already been dealt with. But when you deal with it on a smaller level, it's just people like to be gross. People yeah. Like <laughs> yeah that's interesting i also see the dichotomy that you're talking about too on the you know the the a-list films and, and productions film productions tv productions you don't see that there you know like on yeah. gotham or or westworld but you do on more independent scenarios and there's a, a friend of mine her name's allison savage she was the first ever credited female special effects supervisor in hollywood yeah. 
know, awesome. yeah, I know she's, she's amazing. And she, she worked on Terminator two, you know, with, with, so this was a, a few years back, but she's the one that, you know, designed when the, the, the liquid Terminator, I can't remember what his name was, the T-1000, I think is what it was, you know, cause yeah. they were examining the, the bullet yeah. wounds and how it's supposed to make liquid disperse and all this. So she developed all that. When you see, when you watch the film, that was all her. Yeah. And she worked yeah. with, with uh, James Cameron on, uh, yeah. on a whole bunch of his films. So it's not that he's made a lot, but he's made all blockbusters, right? <laughs> James Cameron has, yes, all big, huge ones, but she's worked with Spielberg, everybody. And she had an interesting take on the Me Too movement also, because yeah. she, she never had a scenario like yours to where I'm hearing yours. And that's what I think. When I think Me Too, I think of what you described, Right. And how so, somebody has been shoved into the wall in the corner of an elevator, you know, and it's just those types of human beings just deserve to be castrated. The, the, the ones who do this, you know, I'm just straight up because that's not being a man to me. Yeah. You know, I agree. The, bottom line, her perspective was from the, the side of, and hear me out because a lot of people could probably hear me wrong on this too, but her perspective, cause I'm just relaying the, the, the contrarian points of view here. Her perspective was those who have a producer invite them up as talent to be like, Hey, let's go over this in my hotel room, you know, or mm -hmm. let's, let's see what this is. And she's like, you know what you're going up there for. You know? yeah. <laughs> so is the response, is the responsibility do you see on both sides? Because I can see, both perspectives, it's different aspects, right? For you, I want to, I want to castrate the dude for her. I'm like, well, I guess that sounds right. Yeah. I feel like if I were in a situation like, oh, you're only going to get this part. If you do this, <laughs> that's where it's wrong. But if it's like, I'm the person trying to go after the part and I'm like, Hey, would it sweeten the deal? If I did this, Yeah, that's my choice as a woman. And if they're like, oh, you've already got the part, but come up to my hotel room. That's again, like my choice. And I feel like there are a lot of like whistleblowers in that way where like, it's almost disrespectful. Like if you made the choice to go do that, thing, <laughs> Fires remorse. And, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yes. <laughs> and you exactly what your friend is talking about and you knew what you were going up there for. And then you try to ruin this guy's career you're not being there for your fellow women who actually were in positions like myself where we had no choice. And so it's just kind of like, if you made the choice on your own, I feel like maybe just take back your power. Like you were put in a position where you were like, I could make this decision and make my career better. So I'm going to make this decision and like more power to you. Who cares who you sleep with? If you, if you and somebody have like an agreement and you're like, Oh, I want to sleep with you to get to the top. And they're like, well, I wasn't going to say that, but sure. Then <laughs> <laughs> that's your right as a woman to do that. You can sleep with whoever you want. But if you're like forced into it, almost like a rape scenario, that's when it's like you've been sexually assaulted on a set and you really should talk about that. So I don't know. That's my angle on it is like sometimes I feel like there are people who have whores. Okay, I wasn't going to say that. But <laughs> Mark just says what you're thinking. Now I understand the dynamics of your relationship. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are people who knew exactly what they were getting into and then said something about it just because they had like a buyer's remorse thing or had regrets or wish they didn't have to do it or felt like in that moment they shouldn't have and they didn't just listen to their moral compass. And I feel like that's kind of diminishing 
the actual situations that people who didn't have a choice were put into. So which I is, agree with your friend. Which, which actually our film deals with in a new and fresh and interesting way. Yeah, we got some <laughs> pedophilia up in there. Yeah, we also got some, some we have some, some really uh, deep yeah. subjects that we deal with with, with nations. The film's so, a lot. Yeah, it's quite a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> we animated because we thought it would be a lot easier to, for people to swallow. And yeah. we're not preaching because if you get too preachy with the film, people are like, oh, screw this crap. You know, like, yeah. but we make it interesting and in a, in a fresh new way that no one's doing what we're doing. Yeah, you never want to be like, this is the tone and listen to the message. It's right here in front of you. Yeah, yeah. whereas with us, it's like, <laughs> hey, we're going to entertain you and you you might learn something at the end, but just have fun. Yeah. Just just hang on for the ride, buckle up for about 100 minutes and yeah. enjoy the show. And this movie is definitely not about the Me Too movement. No. I'm just very personally passionate about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, we made sure that it's not about, you know, like you like you said, like, well, we agree that it's not, not preachy. Yeah. It's more of, like we said, you know, enjoy the ride. Yeah, right on. Let's talk about the film because you okay. said today, yeah, this is the first public appearance that you can talk about the film. That anybody's really like delve deep with us about. Of course, we're not going to be able to talk too much about Nations because it's uh, we haven't even signed any whatever. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, what can you say, and where can people find information about it? What can we say, Shelby? So we can't say a lot because the nature of the film is really about the twist. And if we give too much away, I mean, we've even had to be very careful about what films we compare it to. Yeah. Because if we compared it to a certain film, people would immediately know, oh, I know exactly what the end is. Which you still wouldn't. And that's the thing that I feel if you know the ending at all before you're in that final act, you're just going to ruin the film for yourself. So it's 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 a difficult sell because you're you're talking about <clears throat> we've got a pretty in my opinion, interesting ending. And the people who have looked at it and are looking to make it have said, oh, this is no, fantastic. One's, no one's doing this. This is fantastic. I never saw this coming. Um, but when you sell the film, it's like, yeah, it's a crime drama about a widow reopening a cold case. And that's about all I can tell you. And it's like, that does not sound interesting. Yeah, it's you know, like, it sounds how... like something that's been done before. Right. But <laughs> it's like, okay, so selling it, we're trying to be like, well, there's all these like emotional elements and it's, it's, it's three timelines and so you really got to read the script. So we've actually found a, a hard uphill battle with that. Yeah. Really just hard trying to make yeah. sure people don't read the script. Cause it's like, I really can't <coughs> tell you. It's kind of like, it's a movie that what you, have you ever been to a film where you're like, dude, you just have to watch it. I can't tell you about it. Yeah. Like you just have to go see it for yourself. You have to enjoy the experience yourself. Yeah, in order for sure. In it. Or even, even with uh, some of the stuff that you do with like either cyber or, um, or, or you know, with, with reach out or anything, mm -hmm. you can't really explain how it feels. You have to go and feel it for yourself. Yeah. But it's like if Pulp Fiction or Shutter Island were animated, basically. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm super intrigued already. Well, you know that. I mean, we've had communication prior Wanna to this. Yeah, I would love to read the script. Yes. <laughs> Done. We'll send it to you. Awesome. Hey, I and fantastical and strange and confusing and we like it yeah, yeah. and it's called it, nascence right yes yeah. that's right yeah fantastic beginning or, or rebirth it's yeah look up the word man <laughs> that's phenomenal shelby the last thing i want to bring up today yeah i didn't hear you i'm sorry i didn't mean to talk over you what were you saying no it's just people are frequently like oh what language is that and i'm like it's english <laughs> it's english <laughs> 
old Latin, you know, 1600s, it kind of took a dive from being used, but yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> That's fantastic. Shelby, you've thought about making a podcast around filmmaking, right? Or starting a podcast around that. What are your thoughts yeah. around there? What was what that? Sorry. What are your thoughts around that? Well, we actually have a podcast called Sloan and the Smelts on our YouTube. You and, do? Yeah. And it started. Do you want to be on it? <laughs> Done. Booked. <laughs> awesome. Uh, it started interviewing film professionals who also have businesses. So I have a friend who is an actor and she also <laughs> like got really hit with the pandemic. So she started a bathery and now sells like bath bombs and candles. And it's body lotions so good yeah yeah it's so really cool. and then another actor who's also a fitness health expert wow and so it just kind of started as that and then it all of a sudden we had a cryptocurrency ceo on there so we were like i guess we're just interviewing everybody now <laughs> um, that's fantastic like pandemic yeah. hit us i'm like how about we do an ipo how does that sound yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. um but really is really yeah. like the revolutionary like film stuff goes is just uh, my production company, Dan Martini Entertainment. It the entire point that I want long term is to be that middleman because when you start out in the film industry, it's like I don't know what I'm doing, and then you kind of just circle around in this bucket of other people that don't know what they're doing for a really long time. And it's not like being a doctor where you just go to school and then you go to med school and then you go to a residency and then you become a doctor. There's no road. So my company, the entire purpose is one day I want to build that road of like, this is exactly the steps you get to go be in Hollywood. For all particular roles that you want to do. So basically a school. Yeah, that's incredible. Because I, I mean, each role would obviously have a different road. You know, yeah. You've been down so many of them too. How does a, <laughs> with those roads, roads, how do the politics of Hollywood play into that? So there isn't a lot of movement you, once you get higher up, like it, unless you're Margot Robbie, you it's, you're not going to get a lot of mobility unless you're in the very beginning of your career. And a lot of people will tell you that you're starting out and they're like, if you want to be a comedic actor, say you're a comedic actor and only be in comedy. Don't do drama. Yeah. And you do, you really pigeonhole yourself. Um, the second. So basically you can either start out as an actor or as a production assistant and you work your way up from there. But what I noticed with being a production assistant is like, if you want to go be a DP or a makeup artist or a special effects designer or the stunt guy starting in a PA position is amazing. But if you want to be a director or a producer or an actor and you start as a PA, good luck. Not happening. Like you're never going to get there. Well, it's like not never. Yeah, not never. But, but those roles, you really have to start as that thing. Yeah. Like even yeah. if you're the thing to go direct, go yeah. act, go, you know. Yeah. Even if you're crazy broke, just call yourself a director. Yeah. Even if you've never directed anything, if you're like, I want to be a director then just say you're a director and get your iPhone out and freaking direct your friend who works at Starbucks. But, but don't do and, and just Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just tell that story now? Real fast. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, there's got to be something behind that. Yeah. We've so never I, done porn. No. If you're curious, by the way. No. Uh, that's another thing is like, anybody watching this, and you've tried, if you're trying to get into Hollywood, porn's not the way to do it. You're not going to get out of porn. Um, but yeah, so I first moved to LA and my friend set me up on a blind date. 
And the guy was like, I'm a director. And I was like, great, I'm an actress. If we end up being like this super awesome couple, then we're mutually beneficial. And then, uh, yeah, four months into the relationship, I uh, walked upstairs and there was a lot of porn on his computer. And I was like, what you doing? I'm uh, hanging out at your house and you're watching porn. And he was like, uh, and I was like, oh, you're a porn director. You're not a director. You're a porn director. Totally different. Um, don't tell people you're a director. My friend, you're not. <laughs> but, but what if he started out when he wasn't even a director? He's like, hey, I'm a porn director. What if he followed your advice? What do you mean? And just if he wanted to be a porn director, yeah. But as far as I knew it, he'd already made a film, uh, a regular one and trying and was trying to be a director and had just gotten tight on the rent so he mm. just took this job and i was like i begged him i was like you have to quit before you're at six months because once you hit six months in a job you have to put it on your resume so i was like you have to quit you have to get out of this or you're never working in hollywood the way you want to and yeah he did listen to me but i got blamed for that a lot <laughs> again wise people know there's no one to blame <laughs> <laughs> I love your thoughts on life, Mark, and your, your little interjections. It's phenomenal. So where can people go to find out more about the film, Nason's no follow-up? No. <laughs> yeah, we are, we're actually talking to a couple of people about starting Whisper Marketing so that we can get a website up. Yeah. It, it's really just, it's going to be so difficult because of the nature of the film. So right now it's just like our Instagrams and the nascent Instagram, and we're going to be slowly dropping stuff, but we won't even be in production till September. And then it's going to be like two years till the thing is out. So it's really this being the first thing. It's like, this is so ground floor. Like if people are watching this, it's like, you are in on the ground floor. Nobody knows about this yet. And it's going to be. Well, the only people, deal. the only people that do know are the people that we've got attached letters of intent from like the animation studio, let's notice. Yeah, uh, Jay, uh, super cool. Uh, he did. He, he's done stuff for like Wonder Woman, Deadpool, uh, the new Trust. Awesome. That's so talented. Yeah, and then uh, 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 David Hartman also LOI as well. Um, <clears throat> he wants to direct it. He thought it was great. So, and we're super excited that mm -hmm. that that Lex and Otis wants to 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 make it because they're they're starting out too, and they've got stuff for like Netflix and Wildcard and all these other places. And we're yeah. like, yeah. yes, we would like to work with you. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You've got the team in place now. That's phenomenal. I we think have some of the team in place. Um, we have some actors. Uh, actually, uh, I would call him a friend. Dave, Dave Fenois. Uh, yeah. Shout out, by the way, Dave. I mean, I love his work. He's the original voice of Hulu. He's done like The Walking Dead. Uh, awesome. Star, Starcraft. I mean, World of Warcraft, Starcraft. I mean, all, all the crafts you can think of. Yeah. He's done. No, I'm kidding. Big uh, voice actor. Super cool guy. The very, very nice. Guy. Very nice guy. Awesome. So he, he wants to be a, a part of the, of the project and at least signed on LOI. And so we actually have names and some tangible things now that we can go to people that have, you know, 200, 200 grand to get started with the, uh, the development funding and say, hey, look, here's what you can expect. Here's the people that want to be mm -hmm. a part of it. Let's put something together and get it in front of Netflix, HBO, Hulu, uh, Warner Brothers, all these places yeah. that, that are looking for, for maybe looking for projects. And yeah. it's, got a, it's got a horror element to it just a little bit. Yeah. So Amazon looking for horror right now in case anybody cares so yeah yeah um i would say yeah if people want to just i know that there's an email that goes actually directly to me on my instagram so if people ever feel like 
oh, I just want to talk about this project or I want to learn more, they can always just reach out to us. We're not hard to get a hold of yet. Yeah. So. Yet. I know, right? <laughs> That's great. And that is at the Shelby Sloan. Yeah. S-H-E-L-B-Y-S-L-O-A-N. And we're pointing everybody to Shelby, right, Mark? The Shelby Sloan dot com. Sure. Yeah. Through <laughs> <laughs> her. Whatever. I post about him a lot. So yeah. you, you want to follow Mark, it's Mark M. Smelter at uh it's just at that. Yeah. yeah. All right. There we go. That's it. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Thanks for for having the conversation today. And I'm going to keep following it. I'm, I can't wait to read the script. Looking forward to guessing on your show too. And of Set course, we're going we're gonna to stay in touch through those means. But thank you for bringing an, an interesting perspective to Hollywood and where things are at and where things are going too. Thank you. A quick, a quick final thing before we get going. I know you got somebody else coming up, but but um, I know is it Ariel. Is that right? My daughter? Does, yeah, like does like the baking and then you know, yes. all that stuff coming up. Uh, picture it this way, you know, we actually, it does deal with some human trafficking elements. So, hmm. it, you know, get ready for that. But, but, uh, it's kind of like, you know, she's got an idea that she can change the world through her stuff, either through like, you know, milkshakes and waffles and things like that. Um, she's using that, 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 that vehicle in some way, whereas the exact same way that we're doing it just with more adult themed stuff of, you know, we're dealing with real huge issues. So consider us as your son and daughter now and uh, enjoy the, when you read it. And then when you're ready to invest, you're ready to invest. In <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> That's awesome. I hope, I hope that, she, uh, that she gets what she wants too. Same here. Same here. She's, uh, she's moved past the milkshakes and waffles now. And now she's on to, I mean, her cupcakes are just insane. And she's perfected, perfected her buttercream icing. Oh, Can my God. <laughs> Is any vegan stuff? Any vegan Cupcakes stuff? Cupcakes are my weakness. Yeah, no, she doesn't do vegan. Sorry. <laughs> you like some. There's, yeah. there's a model for that. <laughs> Yep, there is. There sure is. Same with gluten-free, but uh, every time I mention that, she's like, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> harsh, Shelby yeah. Sloan, Mark Smelter. Mark Smelter, I'm reading the, oh my God. Okay, Shelby Sloan, Mark Smelter. Uh, how do you do that with your name? How, how do you say it? Because I missed the S. Anyways, thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay. Thank you.